Hello, this is Michael Heron. You're listening to Mikey Pod. It's October 22nd, 2015. Thanks for listening. I really don't have a lot to tell you. Uh, check out my website, michaelheron.com, if you'd like to know about my work. But today we're talking about Cynthia Hopkins and her work. She's got a show up at the Bushwick Star in Brooklyn, New York. It's called The Alcoholic Movie Musical. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, it's not pretty. It's fantastic. We'll leave that pretty off for now. Um, New York Times just gave it a great review. She is super fun to talk to, as you'll hear later in the episode. But first, let's listen to a track from the show. This is called Science is Amazing. And after this, we'll hear from Cynthia Hopkins. human mind 
I'd like to welcome to the show Cynthia Hopkins. She's an internationally acclaimed musical performance artist. She writes and sings songs, records albums, and recreates groundbreaking multimedia performance works that intertwine truth and fiction, blurring the lines between edification and entertainment. Her show, The Alcoholic Movie Musical, is running now at the Bushwick Star. Welcome, Cynthia. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It's so funny reading, like, uh, because I just, of course, like, lifted most of that intro from your website. Yes. Is it, uh, is it funny hearing those words back to you, or are you (laughs) used to it? Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit surreal because it's, it's like, wow, who wrote that? And then I realized that I'm the one who wrote it. (laughs) Uh, Is it hard for you? It's hard for me to write a bio, and I wonder if you have the same experience. Like, oh, yeah, I think that's probably universally true. It's definitely true for me. But um, but I had to do it. I had to do like that language was because I had to write something for a particular brochure where I kind of like explained what the hell it is I do, um, which, you know, I didn't really set out with any particular thing in mind. So it was like I, I kind of retroactively made a description of what I had been doing um, almost as if I were someone else trying to explain it or describe it. And so then I've just stuck with that. I was happy with it. So then I just kind of have stuck with it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I like it. I like it. It see, it seems, I mean, when I hear it, when I hear it read through like that, it sounds a little bit academic or something, you know what I mean? And I have a, I have an urge to kind of jump in there and say like, well, it's all, that's also really funny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, uh, do yeah. you feel like uh, somehow, th- I, these are all things I'm thinking of now and I wasn't even thinking about asking you, but I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. do, you, do you feel a sense of responsibility now to that description? Like when you're writing new work, do you feel like, is there some level of uh, like, well, now I've defined what I do? Mm-hmm. Or, or do you still feel free to like move forward however you do? Um, I think the freedom becomes more challenging, the more things I make, not because of that description necessarily, but just because of, um, I don't know, expectations that I imagine are in the minds of like the people who are commissioning me, like the Bushwick stars, you know, the venue where I'm doing the show right now. And, and they commissioned me to make the work, which means they gave me money, you know, before the show existed. And so, (laughs) so then I feel, uh, you know, some, I feel beholden to them and some pressure. And so I think that's, it's like, that's the challenge of, um, you know, that I didn't, when I was doing stuff and nobody would pay me to do anything, um, (laughs) there were challenges to that because I wasn't getting paid, but then there was also an enormous amount of freedom because there was a good chance that nobody would even see whatever I was making. You know what I mean? So there was no pressure at all. And so, um, ever since people started paying me to do it, it's been the pros and cons of that are that, you know, it's, it's good to make money because then you can buy groceries and stuff like that. And, right. but, um, on the other hand, there's this, yeah, pressure. And I think, and I actually suspect it's why, you know, um, sometimes people's work kind of gets less interesting as they kind of get more advanced in their career. That's not always true, but but anyway, you know, in relation to this show, um, I mean, this show has been challenging to make for a lot of reasons, and and uh, that feeling of pressure is definitely one of them. And so I, I've made sort of extra special efforts to um, 
well, first of all, to break new ground, like to do, to do things in a new way that I haven't done before, um, partly in service to the material and also just partly to sort of, oh, shake things up for myself, I guess, and to overcome that, to try to overcome that sense of pressure. And so, um, like, I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a huge <laughs> word written on the back uh, wall, like the wall behind the audience in this show, which is the word irreverence. And so that were, that is one of the three sort of guiding principles that my collaborator Jeff Sugg and myself have given ourselves um, in the making and, and also the performing of this show in an effort to, like, overcome that sense of... I don't know, obligation um, to anybody's expectations, including our own. Yeah. It, it seemed like, um, oh, I feel like maybe I should back up a little bit. We can, yeah, like, yes. for, for those people who don't, because uh, so, I keep forgetting like, oh, I've seen the show. People who are listening may not have seen it yet. Yes. yes. Um, so the show, it's called The Alcoholic Movie Musical. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, maybe you can describe it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it's a live semi-autobiographical storytelling and, and sort of the primary story being told is my effort to write a screenplay for a movie called, which is the alcoholic movie musical, um, that itself would be a semi-autobiographical work, um, a musical film telling the story of my own alcoholic sort of downfall and then um, recovery or getting sober. Um, And within that movie, the sort of, you know, it would be, the protagonist would be a version of me, so it would be a musical performance artist, because that's what I do is make live musical performance work. So in the movie, the idea is that I would be working on making a live performance piece about the climate crisis, which is something I actually did some about five years ago. Yeah, and that was um, this Clement World. Was that was called it, yeah. this Clement World. Yeah, and so, so as you can tell, if you're listening and you haven't seen the show, there's like multiple narratives. There's like narratives within narratives going on. But sort sort of in the live show at the Bushwick Star. Um, so what you're getting as an audience member is you're getting my story of well, really a struggle of coming up against a lot of writer's block and difficulty translating my my autobiography into a screenplay form and then meanwhile you're also seeing little snippets of sort of different versions of what the movie might look like like you like we perform some scenes I mean there there are little bits and pieces of this screenplay that I've written and so some of them we do live and then like one at one scene is done as a um like an homage to trapped in the closet kind of thing where it's a, there's a video of us acting out the parts being played, but then I'm singing the storytelling. It's like an operatic thing where I'm singing everybody's lines that you're seeing on the video. And then there's like a, another bit that's like a montage of images with a narrator who that's like Jeff narrating what's happening in the movie. So, so you so hopefully you know what you end up experiencing is these kind of multiple layers of um and I, and I actually say pretty close to the beginning of the show I say there's three narratives and the three narratives that I say there are are like my life story of alcoholic 
troubles. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and then <laughs> there's the story of me trying to make a screenplay out of those that that autobiography. And then there's the screenplay, which is another narrative, which is the fictional version, which you see bits of. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's like a fourth narrative, too. Right. Like that. I almost don't yeah. want to get into because it's really sort of magical seeing that part unfold in mm. the show. But it's the the. Uh, the narrative of the night, right? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's if this is the same one as you're talking about, but there's the narrative as of us trying to make this, yeah, yeah, perform this piece for the audience. <laughs> and it was really great. Like, it was so great. Like, I don't even want to talk about that part because, <laughs> like, because <laughs> if someone goes to see it, I want that to unfold, yeah, just sort of naturally. Yeah, because it's really, well, it's different every night, I'll tell you that much, um, which is actually something I've really never tried before. There's a lot of improvisation in this show, which I I think I was, I've always been terrified to, to get anywhere near that. Um, but, and maybe it's because I auditioned, <laughs> many years ago, I auditioned for an improvisational comedy troupe, and it was like the worst audition of my of my lifetime and it was you know humiliating (laughs) and so I was I I think some part of my mind was just like wow I can't I'm not capable of improvisation and so um but it turns out to be incredibly thrilling and really fun um and fun in a new way I mean I love to perform but um I mean, I, you know, I did, I had a band for, for a bunch of years and I did a lot of concerts, music concerts, and there's always some degree of improvisation there because, you know, that what's in between the songs is not scripted, but this is a whole new world. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Like it's so great. Like there were many moments that during the show that, and even after my friend and I, who I saw the show with, we were like, well, what about that? that part like was it we were trying to figure out which parts were real interactions between the two of you which were which were scripted and which were really this is a preview performance oh yeah so it was I mean it's so cool and there are so many levels you know all the different narratives happening but I didn't feel like I think I felt confused in the places I was supposed to feel confused. Like I didn't walk away being like, oh, that was too much going on. It was like it was more like fun and like a puzzle. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, good. that's that's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the reason like, um, you know, I'm at a point where like I've been doing this for a long time, like I've been making live performance pieces for a long time and I. And then I was trying to write this screenplay. And so one of the big questions that came up for me is like, which is kind of addressed a little bit in the show, which is like, well, why write a screenplay instead of making a live piece? Or why write a screenplay instead of like writing a memoir? Or You know what I mean? Why is something, why is a particular content taking a particular form? And so when I got commissioned to make the show for the Bushwick Star, I... I sort of thought, well, yeah, why make a live performance piece? Like, why did I start doing this form in the first place? And so one of the things I thought about was, well, what are the things, what are the live performance pieces I've seen as an audience member, you know, that made me want to do this? And Mm. so I I ended up making a list of five pieces that are like my top most inspiring 
things I've ever seen. Um, and what was interesting was that they were so wildly disparate aesthetically and stylistically, but there were certain elements that were common denominators and, um, and one of them was this kind of sense of like, wow, I don't know how much of what's going on and what I'm seeing is, like it keeps surprising me and I don't know if the performers are doing it because they just feel like doing what they're doing or if it's because it's rehearsed or, you know what I mean? Like that quality that you're describing. Um, and so that's one of the things. So basically I tried to, and irreverence was another one. And so that's why I kind of tried to be like, well, what, whatever the qualities are that these things have, like, I want to try to emulate that, you know? Um, and so I'm happy that, that there's some of that is (laughs) happening. It's definitely happening. Yeah. I I can like confirm that for you. (laughs) Um, what is on that list? I'm so curious what the five, uh, inspiring the things that inspired you to perform yeah well the first one was a musical that I saw at a children's theater when I was a child um and in fact had really really bad poison ivy all over my face and so I was miserable and I was holding ice packs two ice packs one to each side of my face while I was watching this piece (laughs) and it was a musical of Harriet the Spy based on the book Harriet the Spy cool the next one was um uh, a version of Hamlet in Flemish, so I couldn't understand a word. There were no subtitles. It was I saw it in Amsterdam, and it was a Belgian cons- tiny conservatory class of a of an acting conservatory. And I found out afterward they had risen up against their director and fired the director and taken over. The- oh wow! And you could really feel that in them. I mean, there was like there was this energy of like total rebellion. It was beautiful, and then. Another show in a totally different language I couldn't understand, Slovenian in Slovenia, and that was a kind of family drama, but they kept on sort of dropping out of the roles they were playing and, like, arguing about what they were doing. So that had this quality that that we're sort of working with a little bit. And then one, two, three. Oh, and then the, another was Brace Up, which is a, was a Worcester Group show. Um here in New York. That's the only one I saw in New York. And then the final one I saw very, very recently at the Humana Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. And that was a Check Me play directed by Les Waters called The Glory of the World. Um, So like really (laughs) wild, you know, array of different things. Yeah. Uh, I love it. All the way back to Harriet the Spy. Harriet the Spy. And that was the first time I was like, I want to do what those people are doing. I think I was like seven years old or something. Yeah. I can, uh, I, I saw Alice in Wonderland play when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And and it, I had that same moment of like, whoa, yeah. this is like something, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved it. So back to irreverence. Uh, I was thinking about how that word applied to your kind of pre pre-show talk. Like <laughs> there was a sense of like irreverence toward the audience, right? Like almost like it felt like you were making a statement that like <laughs> kind of like fuck you guys. I'm making this show. I mean, it it was it, it 
it wasn't personal, <laughs> but it was like, it seemed pretty well stated, right? Did I like read that right? Yeah. I mean, I, and, and you ended up getting the, um, you ended up getting called out a number of times, I believe, which <laughs> was not your fault. I mean, I don't Oh yeah. I, I was thrilled. I was totally happy with that. I think it was just cause you had a, you had a beard that made you stand out from the rest of the crowd. <laughs> but I, you know, that, that whole thing, um, has evolved so organically, like there was no, um, what do you call it? Calculated planning at all for that. It wasn't like really all it was, was (laughs) this is kind of hilarious. I mean, I, as a performer, I really don't like the part where you have to wait for the audience. Like you have to wait for the, the show time to start. Right. Like I hate waiting cause I get really excited and I just want to start. And so when it's my own show, I can sort of find ways around that. And so for this show, I was like, well, what if I'm just playing songs? Like I'll do a set of songs at the beginning as the audience is coming in. But then, and then I thought, well, I can include a Dwight Yoakam song because in the first little bit from the like version of the movie, it says, oh, the movie should open with a Dwight Yoakam, Yoakam song. So then okay. it'll connect it to that. And so, but that was just going to be one of many songs I was going to play. But then a friend came by and I said, if I was playing and you came in, would you feel like you had to be quiet? And she said, oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't want that to happen. Oh, then I thought, well, why don't I just play? Well, actually, I think it was Jeff's idea to say, just play the one Dwight Yoakam song because then it connects it to the film. Um but then you can talk to the audience and just reassure them that it's not the beginning of the show. And then any other information that needs to be communicated, like in a pre-show kind of way, you can also do. And so that just includes like shutting off your cell phone and where the exits are. And that was it. Like that was the whole idea of that. So it had, there was nothing about like, oh, I should also just... (laughs) insult the audience you know there was no but I did try to apply you know the the quality of irreverence to whatever I was gonna do and and also that connect I mean it connects to me it connects to my my personal experience of alcoholism which is that like, it's really funny. A friend, of, a good friend of mine saw the show and she's like, oh, I really didn't like you in this show. Like, I didn't like who you were as a person in this show. And I thought, well, that's funny because who I am in this show is really kind of my alcoholic self. And so in a way, I'm like, I'm trying to perform or like make a portrait of my alcoholism, like not alcoholism in general, but just my own personal, you know. And so... So part of that is this feeling of like just kind of really judgmental of other people and Uh um, like my way or the highway. And so I just happen to have really strong opinions about cell phones in theaters. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so I just decided to kind of like let myself go with that uncensored. So it's kind of like an uncensored version of kind of the, the most like self-centered what I think of as alcoholic part of me. That's it. So 
Um, and then as it's gone on, it's just turns out to be really fun to do that. Um, partly because it's just something you don't get to do or I don't get to do in regular life, which is to just kind of be rude to people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, uh, and then, you know, it seems like it's entertaining. So it's just kind of taken on a, it's taken on a life of its own a little bit, which was very unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's interesting that your friend said that. Cause I also had that feeling of like, not that I didn't like you, but that it made me like, I had a quick conversation with you. Like when you did the, um, there was like a work in progress reading of it at the Greenwich, oh, yeah, Greenwich that House. schoolhouse. Yeah. Um, so I forgot about that conversation. And when I was thinking about talking to you on the podcast, I was like, Oh my God. It's like, she's she's such an asshole. It's that mean lady. (laughs) (laughs) It's that mean lady. Well, you know, it's uh, part, part of the reason, um, because another one of the principles we're working with is an, I call it an eradication of people pleasing. Now that Mm, came out, partly came out direct, it actually came directly out of, we did had the Greenwich house performance, which was a work in progress of this material. You know, I watched a video of it. And I, what I didn't like about the performance was this kind of sense that I, uh, boy, it's hard because I'm talking about watching myself. So like watching myself on stage, it seemed like that person, that performer was trying to get the audience to like her, you Mm -hmm. know, which was true to some extent. I mean, that's kind of like a natural, I don't know, it's a natural, um, thing that happens to performers is like, you kind of want the audience to like you. And so I, my feeling watching it was, Oh, that really gets in the way of the material. Um, like what I'm talking about alcoholism and my own experience of it, like it gets in the way of that. And I also felt like it got got in the way of the humor. Mm -hmm. Um, like that the more sort of deadpan I could, be the funnier it would be. And also the more you could sort of hear the information rather than, um, you know, I felt like I was getting in my own way basically. And so, so I decided, well, okay. So in service of this material, I need to try to really get rid of what I kind of have a natural inclination to do in life and on stage, which is to try to be likable and try to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's actually a good like when somebody's when my friend said, "Oh, I really didn't like you." You know, that's actually a good sign for this. I think for this piece, and it certainly, it's not like I'm trying to be unlikable. It's just that I'm trying to get my own tendency to want people to like me out of the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. which kind of paves the way for a more authentic performance yeah like yeah or authentic or um yeah i guess so i guess so uh but, or yeah I, I don't know i uncensored which i guess is the same what thing yeah yeah but uh, yeah i think people pleasing is kind of my like big I, i'm also a recovering alcoholic and that's one of my big like things like it's a, what's hilarious is that it's a it's a seems like a common tendency among alcoholics yeah and then, and then we end up completely sabotaging and like pissing everybody off. At least I did when I was drinking because, and I think that's part of it. It's like, 
for me, like, I'm so worried about what people think of me. And then I would get drunk and I'd be like, ah, fuck it. You know, right. It would be this big relief that I didn't have to do that anymore. And so I would end up doing the opposite, which was like, not please, not please anybody. (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, displease many people. Yeah. And like strongly displease a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what I find so, like why like my personal reason for finding that even the pre-show thing, even if if it felt uncomfortable at times, why I find that super energizing because mm. it's really like that's right, bitch. Like just you know right. what I mean. Like call out that cell phone user. Like right. I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I mean you see it like I it's something I enjoy when I see comedians. Um, perform who are you know and that's like an aspect of comedy a lot of times is people speaking uncomfortable not necessarily the truths but maybe their own truths you know or opinions strong opinions you know um that like or that those are the comedians that I like you know um that if you if you were to say well I'm going to really consider uh what other people might, how they, it might make people feel. It's like you wouldn't, well, first of all, you wouldn't even have comedy, you know, if that were like, Oh yeah. You know, if you were going to consider everybody's feelings, like <laughs> forget it. Comedy's out the window. You know? Right. I'm going to end this part of the show with um, listening to a track from the show. So this is both goodbye. And also do you have anything to say about this song? We're going to listen to the long view and how it fits into the show. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just wondering, I don't want to say too much, but, um, you know, I wrote this song actually during a residency where I was trying to write the screenplay of mm-hmm. the alcoholic movie musical. And I was really struggling. Um, and so the song sort of comes out of, um, almost like me talking to myself and reassuring myself that, the screenplay, even though it's not happening the way I want it to happen or like as fast as I want it to happen, it's still happening. It just might be like the creative process Mm. is still happening. It just might be a longer process, um, you know, than I'd like it to be. That's actually such a great thing that seems to be like a a creative message from the universe or whatever that I keep getting mm. that I'm happy to hear it again. I've, do you know, uh, Eve Beglarian by any chance is a composer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was talking to me one time about, um, about how sometimes the creative process really is tuning out and like looking at Facebook. Yeah. You, like at some, in some levels, like that might be what you need to be doing. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's like, there's a John Cage quote that, you know, you're do if you're doing your laundry, you're still working on your opera when you're doing your, your laundry yeah. or something to that effect. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Cool. And part of it also came out of that. I was in an incredibly beautiful landscape of Marin County in California. And I was looking at these mountains and I was like, you know, these mountains took a little, they took a lot longer than my, even my lifetime, you know, to, to come into being. So that's where yeah. it started from. Wow. Deepness. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, The show is uh, the Alcoholic Movie Musical. It's at the Bushwick Star um, until October 31st. It's Wednesday through Saturday nights at 8 p.m. 
Um, and oh, I interrupted the part where I was saying thank you for being on the show. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you so much for having me. Took millions of years to be carved out And these waves crashing Traveled thousands of miles To arrive at your feet Why hurry when That's the long view from Cynthia Hopkins from the alcoholic movie musical running now at Bushwick Star in Brooklyn, New York. My hometown, I guess now. Odd. You know, it just hit me recently. The color purple is being revived on Broadway. And uh, what's the other one? Spring Awakening is being revived on Broadway. And both of those shows were on Broadway when I moved to New York City. So that means I've been here a pretty long time. It's weird how time is, right? If you've enjoyed this podcast or any of the others, feel free to subscribe at YouTube. No, (laughs) YouTube is not involved here. (laughs) 
<laughs> iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and Google Play. Any of the, wait, Google Play doesn't have pod. Man, I'm getting it all wrong. Stitcher covers things. And then just go to my website, MikeyPod.com. Um, you can subscribe there. If you would like to leave a review somewhere or tell a friend that you enjoy this podcast and you think they would too, I would really appreciate it. Sign up for my newsletter at MichaelHeron.com. And that's pretty much everything. Just support my work. And everyone else's work, too. Go see this show, Cynthia Hopkins. Not, yeah. Oh, I'm getting abusive. It's late. Talk to you guys next week.